Cross the Streams podcast. Kip Ione here. Episode 25, I believe, of our season five, my first solo season, uh, taking over the pod completely by myself. Excited you're here. Another edition on the drive segment today, calling it Dad in the Stands. Hashtag Dad in the Stands. So before I get to that main subject matter for today's pod, I did want to talk a little bit about an origin story. Uh, I'm taping this on Thursday, September 9th. Um, And so I'm entering into tonight in a couple hours, my 36th season as a fan of the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. And anybody that follows the pod knows me, is well aware that Kip is a Cowboy lunatic, right? Um, But I I was reflecting on it today, getting ready for their season season opener in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady and the defending champion Buccaneers um, as I was sending screenshots to my oldest son of the Cowboys blue uniforms they're going to wear, which I think are the dopest uniforms in existence. Uh, But I was really like having a self-conversation and being a fan since 1985, from as far back as I can remember, since when I was six years old, why have the Cowboys remained this illogical fandom aspect of my existence you know in that same year i started a pretty heavy fandom of the lakers georgetown men's basketball notre dame football the dodgers Um, but over the course of my life and now that i'm 42 years old obviously some of those have really waned like in the nba for example anybody that knows me knows i mean when they the lakers traded Shaq. Kip was ghost from the Lakers for a decade and a half. I didn't cheer for the Lakers. I I cheered for players. I followed Allen Iverson from the Sixers to the Nuggets, and that's who I cheered for. And since Iverson retired, I've been a LeBron guy. Wherever LeBron is, I've cheered there. I would say I probably have a little Blazer fandom, but that's probably because I I think Damian Lillard's awesome. So I'm more of a player fan than anybody else, right? So the Lakers are back in my life only because of LeBron. But I'm almost positive if he leaves, I probably won't be a Laker fan anymore. So that's not on the same level as the Cowboys. My Georgetown fandom is really more nostalgia than anybody. It's kind of tricked back up a little bit because Patrick Ewing's back, and I remember being a young kid watching him. The Iverson years at Georgetown I remember fondly, but I, I probably couldn't name a lot of the guys on the team the way I used to be able to. And Notre Dame football really feels like an obligation now. Like I'm not sure I'm a huge Brian Kelly fan. I know they win games. I still text with my godfather and, my, and his son about our Notre Dame fandom, but it's not at the levels it was when I was living and dying on Saturdays with them against Boston College. You know, the Dodgers for me, despite being the sport I played the least, like I was done playing baseball before I was 10 years old, the Dodgers in the last decade have reemerged. You know, as a staple, like I'll literally watch June games from the fourth inning on. I don't know why, but I, I literally had strings of years where I didn't watch more than 20 innings total of a Dodgers season. You know, in the last five to eight seasons, I've been heavily back in um, and watching almost every game, all the playoffs. Um, but the Cowboys have been an absolute mainstay for me from 1985 to now. No wanes, no ups and downs. My wife knows and lows, I'll add that, hates the fact our weekends are usually planned around when does Kip get to sit and watch three hours of the Cowboys and ultimately most of the time the Cowboys failure. You know, I started with Danny White versus Gary Hogaboom quarterback battle. I lived through Steve Pallor getting knocked out by the 85 Bears. I lived through Tony Dorsett versus Herschel Walker. Who should we keep? I lived through the uh, Jerry Jones buying the team, firing Tom Landry, trade Jimmy Johnson, trading Herschel Walker. I mean, in my most annoying Cowboy fandom years in late middle school and early high school, you know, I got to revel in the the triplets, Aikman, Emmett, and Michael Irvin in three Super Bowl titles. And really the worst thing that happened to me as a fan then 
was uh, my dad inviting one of his coaching buddies to our house for the 94 NFC title game, and he was a 49ers fan. So he got to taunt me as our back-to-back and quest for a three-peat ended in Candlestick Park in 94. I got back at that same guy the next year in 95 when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Um, But since 95, which is their last Super Bowl victory, they haven't reached an NFC, NFC title game. The Cowboys have won seven playoff games in 26 years. I mean, you think about it. That's a lot of cussing and yelling and befuddlement from me regularly, annually, and in the season's going weekly. I mean, that's around 400 Sundays being directly affected by the outcome of the Cowboys game. Like, you know, and I'm aware, guys, that it's not healthy. You know, I'm, I've been sitting here thinking, reflecting as I get ready to sit down in front of the TV again tonight. Why have the Cowboys maintained that grip over me when the other favorites I had growing up have faded? Like my fandom is real. My irrational fandom is really relegated to probably them and them only. I mean, I've only ever been to one Cowboys home game. My wife got me that as a Christmas present in 2019, and I got to go to Jerry World. I've only been to one Cowboys road game ever. That was in Seattle in 2002. So I can't claim some amazing, like I used to go to the games with my family, and that's why I'm stuck. No. Um, I've literally never met a Cowboys player or coach or any of Jerry and his sons or the family, so I don't have this strange connection to the team. Um, I don't watch games with like this Cowboys fan group from somewhere. Like my son counts, we watch, but he's a more realistic fan than me. Like he just sets the table that they're probably going to lose, Dad, and he's okay with the day. And he has snuck in this Jaguar fandom on me too that I can't explain. But I don't sit around and like plan Sunday drinking sessions with this Cowboy group. It's really just me and the Cowboys. My old high school wide receivers coach, Coach Todd Birch, I know he listens sometimes, is probably the, the longest relationship with the Cowboy fan I've had over these decades. He and I still text. You know, Coach named his son Landry, for God's sake. He's a lunatic like me. But I, I don't have this circle of people that are Cowboys fans with me, and that's my social interaction. That's, I'm on by myself. So I'm still, I don't know what it is. There's just no middle ground, really, in Cowboy fandom either. You either like them like me, you love them, or like a lot of people, hate them and loathe them. So it's really an existence of strife as a fan. I mean, I think I get some entertainment out of Scooter McGruder and his uh, Scooter McGruder and his Sunday videos of, that really do encapsulate being a Cowboy fan, yelling and cheering 17 different ways and then screaming 17 different ways on the same Sunday. You know, as I sit here and self-analyze, a part of me wants to find an answer to this dilemma. Uh, and maybe with it, if I found an answer as to the why, I could you know, ease off some of the passion and lunacy. But I do still think a bigger part of me revels in, the, in, the, in being still childlike and devoted to a team, this one particular team. Like, if I'm being honest, I do look forward to Sundays um, when the Cowboys are going to be on, and they are on a lot. Um, I look forward to not being Coach Kip or, or not being buttoned up professional Kip and just kind of sitting down and, and riding the emotional waves. I mean, I, I know there has to be boundaries. Um, and, of course, it's never fair. Um, for a loss by the freaking Cowboys to lead me to say or do anything harmful to people around me or that rest of that day. I don't have the right to be a bum to my family because I'm so sad. But I kind of do like feeling a loss or basking in a win. I kind of like that emotional charge either way. And it's, it's unknown, right? I have no control over it. And that's unlike the rest of my life that I kind of try to govern uh, and control. So maybe that's part of it. Um, I'm excited again today for them. Then I'm going to wear a jersey. I'm a grown man in a jersey. 
Um, so we'll see. I, if I come to an answer, you know, I'll get back on the pod and maybe try to share it. I know some of you out there, it doesn't mean you're Cowboys fans, but you might have a fandom like that. Um, whether a sports team, an actor, or a movie genre, a TV show that you know you geek out over. Um, maybe you can relate to this. But we'll be right back here in a second with the second part of Dishing on the Drive. All right, we're back. Dishing on the Drive, Dad in the Stands episode. And I'm, I'm really trying to thread the needle on this segment. Uh, I'm walking a tightrope between trying to find connection in experience and emotions that, I, that I've experienced with you all out there. And also trying to be an encourager of better without coming off to everybody on here as a holier than thou. And I know, it's like, Kip, why do you do a podcast then? What did you think was going to happen? No, you're, you're right. Um, but, but I do want to be upfront. Like, I don't have this topic solved. Um, and I, I'm, I'm cognizant as well that the episode's titled Dads in the Stands, but this can actually be probably relatable and maybe even more so to moms in the stands, grandpas and grandmas in the stands, aunts and uncles, friends, maybe even siblings in the stands. So I, I know it's, I am not coming to you as a perfected practitioner of the things I'm going to talk about with this episode, but you know, we're all masters in the making, so we have to be students engaging. Um, so let, let me start with some background. Um, Kane and I, you know, um, grew up in Billings, Montana. Our, our dad was an All-American basketball player in Billings, Montana for Eastern Montana College. Our mom was a national champion barrel racer in Billings, Montana. Like, we, we were known in Billings, Montana. And uh, trust me, you guys, it's humility level. I know. Billings, Montana is not New York City. So when I say the Iones were known in Montana, I, I, I'm saying that with a certain level of smirk on my face. But we were. And we were a very competitive family. Like our life revolved around sports. And it started with Skyview High School, where my dad was a basketball coach, golf coach, track coach. Um, and really, like from a young age on, Kane and I, my mom, my dad, we would be at Skyview events in the stands, even as kids. And that was like a life or death translation to those games. Like if, if Coach Lebsock's Skyview football team lost, like we would drive home sad. Dad worked the clock. We'd be in the stands or playing football, but checking the scores. Like we, our give a damn was through the roof as observers in the stands, right? And that just gradually grew. And anybody that knows our mom knows she's very boisterous, and you can't get three technical fouls from the stands as a, as a spectator without a certain level of give a damn, some would call it extreme, uh, in the stands. But that's just how we worked. Like whatever we were fans of in the moment was going to dictate the, the, our value. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's healthy either, but I know that's what we experienced. You know, all the way through me playing, Kane playing, um, Kane even probably more so at Montana State, being a local kid that had so much success. You know, games mattered, and being at the games and cheering and, and watching success mattered to us. Um, you know, I got a little bit out of the Montana bubble, going to going to college in Oregon and on the West Coast, and you learn, you play without that. Like, you don't have people in the stands very often. My parents could probably get to one game a year when I was in college. Um, you definitely miss people being there, but you also kind of evolve, I think, to a, a healthier perspective that the game and the experience of watching each other compete in a team sport, no matter what it is, doesn't or shouldn't be the definer of success or, or the only measure of connection in our lives as a family unit. Like maybe we can literally just hang out in a house and have a meal or, or, or talk instead of challenging some other group and one of us is out there running, tackling, shooting, jumping, sprinting, and that's the only way we engage with one, one another. So, you know, I think that's probably an evolution in theory for me. Um, and that's all well and good. I think that's a healthier way to approach it. But, but then like many of you out there, 
you have your own kids. And I have three kids. And they get to the age where they're on teams now. And, and you're the, the dad in the stands. And, and one of my, my kids, pre, last week they had a, an athletic game. And I had like this out-of-body experience where I was watching myself sitting there as the 42-year-old dad right now. And right next to me was like this little Kip. I don't know if he was 13-year-old Kip, he was 17-year-old Kip. But that guy was fired up. And suddenly the performance of my offspring was like side tables in general. Like me as a dad watching my child was side tabled to what are all these other people in the stands, these other moms and dads in the stands viewing me through how my kid's performing. And it was like front and center in my emotions. I didn't like it, but I was aware of it. Like I, I knew I was battling that like the success my kid, my I own out there was having was going to be a direct reflection on me. And I knew that wasn't healthy. You know, I literally had to walk laps at this event. Like I had to take some time and just kind of walk around. And it had nothing to do with my kid. It had everything to do with this fight with Ego Kip I was having. Um, I knew Ego Kip was irrational, selfish, ridiculous for assigning my own self-worth to the exploits and the stats or no stats or achievement or no achievement of my kid in their game. Um, like if I was writing a book or doing this pod or writing a paper, I could express all the healthy ways you should be a parent, a dad in the stands. But in the moment, man, I was failing. Um, and I was surrounded by other dads and moms in the same boat who were also, I think, in my opinion, losing that battle. Um, who I, I, I really try in now that I have been in that boat to not assign moral value to people who lose their shit as dads or moms in the stands because I was about to do the same thing. Um, what we say when we're these people in the stands, what we do, how we act, it's just not healthy. Um, like I've long joked with my wife and, and other friends of ours who have kids in athletics. Like if I could, I think I'd be a billionaire if I created an, well, yeah, let me take that back. I would be liked by a lot of coaches. I don't know how many people would buy it because my app idea is I go around to games, a, a high school, a college, a, a youth team hires me to film dads in the stands. And after a game, I submit to you, the dad that I filmed, my footage of you. And you can't come to the next game until you watch the footage of you in the stands. And if you report back to the coach that you're happy with it, okay. If you report back to the coach, you're pretty embarrassed and by it, which I could assume many of us and many people in the stands would. You, you do some self-reflection before you get to come back. But you can't come back to the games until you use Kip's app. That's my app. Um... I just think if your kid is fine with whatever they're doing in the sport, you got to find a way to be fine with it. Because if not, it's and I know that was me. Like it was entirely on me that I left the athletic event in a mood. My kid was fine. I was. Why would I try? And I was. I was doing it with my questions. I, I know I was. I was like trying to sway them towards the same misery I was feeling. Then they didn't have a shred of that. They were okay. They were totally comfortable. They were so much more comfortable in themselves than I was in my skin. Um, like I was searching for company on the SS shitty day ship. Well, why was I doing that? Um, and, you know, obviously, like many of you know, Kelly was there to, to give me some, some stern words of redirection. And she was right. Um, you know, and it's hard for me because as a coach, my livelihood is, is wrapped up in sports. I do believe in the power of sports to create meaningful relationships. I do believe in the power of sport to create lasting memories and bonds, but that's not a guarantee. 
Um, what I experienced doesn't mean it has to happen that way for, for my kids. What I experienced doesn't mean, even what I've experienced in my nostalgic review probably glosses over a lot of shitty things that happen in sports teams. Um, I believe in the power of competition, you know, to drive us to be something more. But it's not the only way to achieve your best. You know, simply playing a game with a scoreboard is not the sole way for a person to be a quality human being. Um, I do believe that striving to be your best and being better today than you were yesterday is an essential life tool. But it has to be undertaken as an individual's choice. And like my kids, all three of them decide to go on that journey. It can't be because dad threw them in the train and said, go. Um, I say these things now, and I, I do believe that they're true. Um, but I also know that as a dad in the stands, I have a lot of work to do and reps to take in making sure I act the way I'm telling you all that I think we all should. My oldest two have sports events coming up. I'm going to see Kane's team in, in Boise this weekend, you know, in a big arena. Um, so opportunity awaits for me to be better at this. Um, but I'll keep you posted because uh, I do think it's a role there's no practice for when you're a dad or a mom in the stands. But I do think it's an important one for everyone involved. Cross the streams. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.